Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, brought to you by the American Beverage Association. Today is Monday, November 9th. Joe Biden is coming in. Donald Trump is heading out eventually. And we're focused on Pfizer's big vaccine news. Earlier this morning, Pfizer and Germany's BioNTech announced that their phase three coronavirus vaccine candidate showed more than 90 percent efficacy. It also said it could have 50 million doses available by the end of this year and 1.3 billion doses in 2021. Three things to know. First, the FDA had set an efficacy threshold of 50 percent, which means that Pfizer's candidate overperformed and then some. Two, Pfizer didn't take any U.S. government money for development. It did, though, sign a multi-billion dollar production and distribution deal, which goes into effect if the vaccine receives FDA approval. And at that point, Pfizer says the vaccine would be free of charge in the U.S. Three, we're still waiting for the vaccine safety data, which is expected to come later this month. The bottom line here is that this is the most promising public health news of 2020 and could help set the stage for reopening of schools, businesses, and overall society. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Pfizer CEO Albert Borla. But first, this. We're joined now by Dr. Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer. So, Dr. Borla, can we just start with timeline here? Uh, the company today releases these efficacy results. When should we get kind of the other shoe to drop, which is safety? I think the safety data will mature uh, next week, the third week of November, as you have said. It's already preset the day because we want the median, two months from the median, and we know when that uh, is going to occur. And then soon after, we should be able to apply to FDA, uh, with, with whom we are going to continue discussing the application, and other authorities in Europe, Japan, Canada, et cetera, et cetera. You mentioned today, or the company mentioned today, that, that if approved, there could be up to 50 million doses available by the end of 2020. And I understand people ultimately require two doses, so that's 25 million patients. How soon after, if you were to get an EUA approval, would you actually be able to begin distributing the vaccine? I believe immediately because um, we have already a few millions already produced. And we hope that we will be able to make sure that all these batches are cleared by FDA and that we continue producing as we speak. So we will have immediately some millions of doses to be able to, to release after safety, after quality controls. And by the end of the year, we hope to be able to release up to 50 altogether, globally. The FDA obviously had this 50% threshold for efficacy, kind of its baseline. Obviously, everyone would like 100% efficacy because why wouldn't you in a vaccine? What was Pfizer's target? Or at least where did you think this was going to come in? We were hoping for the best. I have to admit that I never hoped that it would be, because it's not 90. I said it's more than 90. So I never hoped that it would be more than 90%. Uh, and that's a very, very strong, overwhelming indication of efficacy. Can I just ask on that? You guys do keep saying over 90%. Do we take that to mean like 90.02% or, or are you able to, to give us a, a more specific number? The reason why we are not giving a specific number is, first of all, we are not even telling our teams what is the specific number is. And also the number would change. So, for example, if it is 91, could become 92. If it is 94, could become 95 or vice versa by one point. So we don't want to confuse people with different numbers, but it is more than 90 and... Uh, I believe we'll remain more than 90, so we'll just have to say what will be the final number when we read uh, the results. 
You know, over the past several months, uh, when, when you talk to, to folks in the field, uh, particularly the, the possible politicization of this, they all say the same thing, which is so long as a company comes out and there is a vaccine and the data becomes publicly available and people outside the company and outside of even the independent review boards at the company can review it. At what point should outside physicians, outside uh, virologists, et cetera, feel that they are going to be able to see your data? I think there are two uh, two bunch of data here. One, it is uh, what we will submit to FDA. And there's a question mark if the study will be fully completed by that time, because also this possibility exists. Uh, those data, whatever are at that time, will uh, uh, be given to FDA. And I'm sure that FDA, based on what they have said, they will analyze them and they will give them to an external group of advisors. They are meeting publicly. So those data will become public knowledge. The second is once we have uh, ourselves complete the 164, which is the end of the study, as per the protocol, um, that, those data we will publish in a peer review magazine, as we do always, which is a magazine, scientific magazine, that uh, uh, high-caliber scientists are reviewing the data before uh, accepting them for publication. And then the entire world will have visibility on their data. Pfizer didn't take Operation Warp Speed money for the development of this vaccine. Just from a fiduciary standpoint, why not? It was kind of free money. Or were there major strings attached from your perspective? They were free money, and but always, uh, uh, I think that there's never free lunch when you, you take money from someone, they are always string attached. But uh, uh, it was not an easy decision from a fiduciary point of view because the level of investment eventually is uh, approaching or will exceed the $2 billion eventually. But uh, uh, the reason why I did that was because... Uh, I wanted to liberate our scientists for any bureaucracy that comes with having to give reports and agree how we're going to the money, spend the money in parallel, all together, etc. And um, with that, I unleash the power of science, I think. And uh, in retrospect, looking back, I, I, I'm very happy that I did this decision because we had results, I think, much faster than uh, otherwise if uh, we were not unencumbered. And every day costs 1,000 lives only in the U.S. right now. So it's a very big toll that we are paying. So also I wanted to keep Pfizer out of politics. I didn't take money not only from the U.S. government, but any other government in the world that they were offering. I want to come back to that in a second, but I'm just curious. You, you do, however, have an agreement with the U.S. government and Operation Warp Speed in terms of production and distribution. On the distribution side, who decide, if there are you know, 25 million patients who are able to get access this year, who decides who those people are and who's in charge of the actual distribution? Is that you or is that the feds? We are having agreements not only with the U.S. government. We have agreements with European governments, with Japanese government, with Australia, with New Zealand, with Canada, with multiple governments in the world. Um, I believe that uh, it is not for Pfizer to decide who gets the vaccine. It is for the health authorities of its country. And I believe that in many cases, the health authorities should customize their recommendation based on different states. So in the U.S., for example, it could be based on the needs of the states or the needs of the regions in some other countries. Pfizer will work and is working already with all of these uh, people so that we can provide the scientific background the insight as to how our vaccine can be used as part of an overall program that will control the disease. In the beginning, it's clear that will be more limited distribution. As you said, 50 million doses is 25 million people globally. Even if half goes to the US, 
that means that it's going to be 12 million people that we can protect in the next uh, one and a half months. Very important protection, but still a small part of the population needs to be strategically decided. I don't think it is for us. I think it is for the CDC or the authorities of the country. But they need to do it in a very equitable, only scientific basis. Uh, you said you wanted to, one of the reasons you didn't want to take the development money was to keep Pfizer out of politics. Judging by Twitter, at least today, you have not completely succeeded in that. Uh, I, I'm curious, I guess, can you just walk me through a little bit when you knew that you were going to be able to release this data? And, and candidly, if it had been one week earlier, if, if, if you had had this report ready for Monday a week ago, would you have released it? Yes, in the, I think one or two days after the, the first presidential debate, I wrote a letter to our employees and I said that some people want us to do it faster, some people want us to do it slower. I'm telling to all of you that we will move with the speed of science. So if it was before, I would have released them before. If it is now, I release them now. I learned about those results uh, yesterday, Sunday at two o'clock. And uh, the independent uh, experts committee independent from Pfizer, that unblinded the data and reviewed, they met at 11 and they finished their meeting at 1.30. Was the 11 o'clock meeting, was that pre-scheduled for yesterday at 11 or was that just the data's in, everybody get around the table? Sunday, we, we knew that the data are in, so the, the data came in on Thursday or Friday. And then, but you know, from the time that the data come in before the committee meets, you need to, some people need to prepare for each case, a very big uh, and accurate narrative and the physicians should sign it. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But we did it with the speed of light. And uh, once we had the, the, the 94 cases, they work on the narratives, they work on the tabulation of the results. So on Sunday morning, we didn't want to lose a day, right? They didn't do it Monday, they did it Sunday. The, the committee met and uh, they reviewed the data. President-elect Biden uh, said that he received late last night the, the information. Did the White House receive it also, the efficacy data? We are speaking with both parts of uh, the administration and the campaign and uh, both uh, pol political leaders from both spectrums regularly. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know when exactly it's one of them received, but they are all have been briefed. Final question for you. Uh, th there is kind of a narrative starting to go around that, that Pfizer might have helped candidly save society, which isn't, you know, curing a certain number of people from a particular disease, which is what you guys are used to doing. How do you think about that? Just what you have done over the last eight months or so and where you are today? It would seem to be something very hard to wrap your mind around. <laughs> You're right. It was a great relief. I had the goosebumps and tears in my eyes. And uh, I was nervous. I was constantly optimistic, but I was nervous, not because uh, if we don't, uh, if we're not successful, we are going to to lose the billion dollars. But if we're not successful, the world is losing hope. And uh, and uh, I, I could feel this weight on my shoulders. So I, I can tell you that I had the emotional reaction that everyone will have when I heard this news. I jumped up. Dr. Albert Borla, CEO of Pfizer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very, very much. Welcome back. What we're watching today is the lame duck Congress and what it could mean for economic stimulus. Reports are that Mitch McConnell finally plans to directly engage in negotiation after largely sitting the past few months out, while expectations are that Nancy Pelosi and President-elect Biden will coordinate for the Democrats. The big wild card, though, is President Trump, who wasn't terribly engaged in stimulus before the election and is likely a bit distracted right now, so it's unclear if he'd be willing to sign off on any deal. 
Today, we're also watching stock market reaction to the Pfizer vaccine news. Not pharma stocks so much, but others that have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. Zoom shares, for example, tanked this morning. So did Peloton shares. On the upside were performance for companies like Delta, Marriott, and movie theater operator Cinemark. Oh, and speaking of stock moves, McDonald's is up slightly on an announcement that it's developed its own plant-based burger called the McPlant. Beyond meat shares, though, those are down. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. Have a great national Scrapple Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.